listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Uh, Something that needs to be talked about because we've been hearing so much uh, on the news and so much on social media about what we should expect as uh, we go into the fall, we move into the uh, quote-unquote harvest season. And um, I need to talk about this today because one of the things you probably heard me making fun of uh, months back, and I'm still making fun of it, was that, uh, hey, Brian, that the White House issued a press release, you know, back in the, uh, in the, in the winter time, right before the new year hit and the, whoever released that, um, that note to the public, that, that PR note, uh, <laughs> told us that we should expect a winter that's filled with sickness and disease and hospitals that we will fill. Now that was their exact quote. We should expect a winter filled with sickness and disease and the hospitals that we will fill. And um, I'm telling you, when I heard that, I got so angry. Well, at one point I was angry. Another point I'm starting to laugh at them because, and I said this very plainly, I said, who put the White House in charge of our healing covenant? And I just started laughing because, you know, who, how, how in the world, I mean, who does the devil think he's talking to? How in the world are you going to tell me, a man that's full of faith, you, a man, woman of faith, to expect sickness and disease? I don't expect that. That's a ridiculous thing to say to any believer. Expect sickness and disease. I don't expect that. I expect healing, health, and strength. Amen. I expect healing, health, and strength. And so uh, one of the things that... uh, I just started doing was mocking, you know, I was mocking what the government was saying, you know, and that's actually, uh, something that's biblical. You know, the, even the old Testament prophets mocked the spirit of this world. God didn't get angry about it. He actually blessed them for it. So I just started mocking it. And then after that, now we're hearing things from the government and from, uh, different news outlets, sources on social media that, uh, as the fall rolls around, that we should expect food shortages. That's what's going to be happening. We're going to have food shortages in the fall. And you should just gear up, prepare yourself. Uh, You know how they do. As soon as they start releasing stuff like that, people start clearing out the shelves of their grocery stores. And then a a greater panic (laughs) hits. And people, you know, it's it's always like little things. Be like, I can't find toilet paper. I can't find paper towels. You know, and, and then... (laughs) <laughs> I was joking about this back when everything was, you know, locking down and, uh, people were saying, there's no toilet paper. I can't find any toilet paper in our grocery stores. And there's no toilet paper at Walmart, no toilet paper at Costco. I said, you can go down to Barnes Noble, get 600 pages. If you just buy Hillary Clinton's new book for $20 <laughs> and people just start freaking out. I can't find it. I can't find it. I can't find our, I can't get, and it's, you know, it's one thing after another. I can't get formula for the baby. I can't get uh, toilet paper. I can't find, uh, there's, there's food starting off the shelves. So today, as they've, as they've been 
encouraging us about what's to come, I want to give you three things that you should know and understand about what they are saying, the upcoming food shortages, the upcoming food shortages. I'm going to give you three things today that every believer needs to hear and needs to know as we move into the fall. By the way, let me just give you the, uh, a teaser here at the beginning. Um, let me tell you what we're expecting for the fall. The same thing we've been expecting since last fall. This is our year of divine possession. This is a year that we'll have what we've never had. We'll go where we've never gone and we'll do what we've never done in the mighty name of Jesus. And so I'm not expecting to decrease. I'm not expecting to diminish. I'm not expecting to be without. I'm expecting to have more than enough and so should you. You should expect to have more than enough. In fact, that would be a great first thing to put in the comments today. I expect to have more than enough. I expect to have more than enough. That should be your confession from here on out. If it was ever anything different than that, change it today. I expect to have more than enough in Jesus name. That's right, Lucy. I expect, uh, I will never lack. Lee said, I will expect overflow. That's right. That's what we're expecting. And by the way, if you haven't shared it, take a minute this, this morning to share the broadcast. And so um, a couple of things that uh, we're going to cover, three to be exact, um, regarding this upcoming quote unquote food shortage. And I want to break these down, especially based on what time that we're living in, the time we're living. Uh, we are, as I've said in other broadcasts many times, we are and have been living in the last days. Jesus is coming soon. Um, we've been in the last days, what the Bible calls the last days, for 2,000 years. So it's nothing new. We've been in it for 2,000 years. Um, but I truly do believe that we're in the last moments of the last days. And the reason I say that is that we see things happening, for example, like uh, in the 1960s, um, or excuse me, in the 1940s, 1948 to be exact, Israel was reestablished as a nation again, a sovereign nation. Uh, supernatural things are happening just like that. Now we're seeing the ramping up of Jesus prophecies, war, rumors of war, earthquakes, famine, pestilence, violence, perversion. We're seeing all those things. So we know where we are. We know where we're standing. Um, and so we need to understand a few things uh, about what we're hearing. And it'll help you because it'll also build your faith, which is the whole point of this broadcast. And so I want to break these three down for you. Take notes, put it in your notes, put it in your Bible, highlight, underline, make notes, whatever you got to do. Get this in your spirit today. Um, the first thing that I want to cover with you is that what you are seeing is undoubtedly an anti-Christ agenda. That's number one. What you're seeing and what you're hearing is without question an anti-Christ agenda. Well, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, what I'm talking about is if there even are any food shortages that take place, it will not be because of the fact that there are actually food shortages. That's the point that I want to uh, make today. If there are, in fact, any shortages, quote unquote, it will not be because there are actual food shortages. That will not be the reason that it takes place. And I'll give you another thing. 
It also won't be because of gas prices and it won't be because of transportation issues. Can't get these trucks on the road because the gas price, it won't be because of that. It will not be because of that. You know, you start to understand something, don't you? That this is something that uh, the Antichrist system wants to happen as a method of control and manipulation. So if there is anything, what you could call it is a forced famine, a forced famine. Uh, because first of all, the Lord did not make any mistakes in creating this earth. This earth will never run out of resources. You need to get that in your spirit because God created this earth to produce and to produce at a high level. So Jesus, uh, or excuse me, God said in Genesis 8, 22, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be, not there might be, there will be seed time and harvest. That's Genesis 8, 22. God didn't make any mistakes when he created this earth. He did not create this earth to run out of resources. And this earth will not run out of resources. We'll not use everything up that we have. That will never happen. It's impossible. All of these things that you're hearing and seeing are just agendas by the Antichrist. They're Antichrist agendas, without question. The spirit of Antichrist is at work in the world. There's no famine. There's no not enough. There's just control and manipulation. That's all. We have plenty of resources. We have plenty of land. We have plenty of cattle. In fact, I was laughing the other day <clears throat> because I was looking up at how they had, they had made the announcement that all of these cattle were dropping dead in Kansas. You know, cattle, then there's pictures of it. Cattle just all along the fields, just dead in the fields. I say all these, this heat wave, you know, the heat's killing the cattle. And I thought to myself, how ridiculous. We have cattle farms in the Okeechobee area of central Florida where it's hotter than it is in Kansas. And they're not dropping over dead. They're not dropping over dead. You got cattle all through Texas, which is hotter than Kansas. They're not dropping over dead. Something's going on. And then when you see that many people that are globalists, that have a globalist agenda, like Bill Gates, when you see him buying up cattle farms and him becoming one of the number one landowners in America and, and cattle farmers and uh, owning that owning all of those resources. Well, what you have to ask yourself, what's going on? Because it's not just one thing, it's all the things, right? You understand that. It's not that there's just one thing happening. It's that all of these things are happening at the same time. And there's a publicly announced agenda that is at work. I mean, uh, I've played this on the broadcast before you before. Um, the World Economic Forum released a video that they later took down because it was too controversial uh, about Agenda 2030. And that Agenda 2030 video told us what things that we should expect to be in place by the year 2030. One of those things is that our, our meat consumption would drop way, way down. That's what they told us to expect, that our meat consumption would drop way, way down that we wouldn't eat meat with every meal, 
that we would eat it every once in a while, but it would be more of a treat than it was a daily uh, um, staple, if you will. And that's an antichrist agenda. There's plenty of meat. There's plenty of animals. There's plenty of land. There's plenty of resources. This earth is not running out. As long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. What I'm telling you in this first point today is that it's a measure of control and manipulation, as you well know, I'm sure, that we're coming to a day. Now think about this. What if Jesus came back tomorrow? Do you think that the Antichrist is going to spend all these decades setting up some kind of an infrastructure so that he can then begin to take total control of the world? No. These things have to be in place. These measures have to be in place. You know, that's one of the reasons, if you look at, for example, uh, the, the desire for a cashless society, which Canada just publicly announced uh, just a couple of months ago, that the banks of Canada and the different uh, outlets and um, you know vendors of Canada and, and everything are in perfect position, they said, to move into a cashless society where all of your information, all of your uh, financial information, medical information, all that can all be in one place, can all be governed by one thing. And they had made the announcement that they're in perfect position to launch that. Well, that is actually something that's going to take place worldwide according to scripture. There's going to have to be a measure of control that is in place. Otherwise, the Antichrist will not even be able to do what the Bible prophesies he will do. And the Bible says that he will control the economic systems of the world, that nobody will be able to buy or sell without taking his mark. And so you realize, don't you, these things have to be in place. Manipulation and control have to be in place. You know, it's, you can, what do you do? For example, when there is no more cash and you can't barter and you can't make a purchase on your own, everything's digital. But your digital currency system is based on how good of a citizen you are. Or if you're following what the culture says you should say, you're, make sure you're not canceled. Because if you're canceled, what would you do? Somebody put this online and it was an interesting thing. They said, what if all of our ability to travel, our financial systems, what if all those things were based on a cultural uh, score, for example, like they're the building in China right now. And you basically have a score just like you would have on social media where you're, you know, instead of followers, you have an actual score that goes up and down based upon whether or not you are abiding by publicly held interests and views. You know, if you start to get, and I saw one of the videos, it was really interesting how it could play out that somebody's uh, flight got canceled at an airport. And so the person was upset and was talking to the desk agent. But as they were talking to the desk agent and they were getting louder because they were irritated that they'd missed something because their flight got canceled, all the people standing around them began to take their cell phones out and downvote this person. And their social currency score began to drop. And then the gate agent said, well, I can see here now that your social currency score is only 67. And if you don't get it back up to 75, you can't fly at all. You can't fly unless your score's at 75. What would you do if they told us that since we'd been canceled, 
Because now if we disagree with anything, if we disagree with the LGBTQIA plus community, then somehow uh, we don't have the ability. They could lock our bank account until we come and publicly acknowledge that we've changed our views on those things. And you think that that's conspiracy theory. It is not. That is the way that the Antichrist system will function. Unless you fall in line with what he's doing and what he says, take that mark, nobody will be able to buy or sell. Nobody will be able to buy or sell. So it's a form of manipulation and control. Forced famine is manipulation and control. You say, well, there's going to be a food shortage because the, the gas prices, diesel is too high and these trucking companies can't afford to put it in. Meanwhile, our president is selling even our emergency stockpile of uh, fuel, oil, gas to other nations that don't even like us. We're offloading all of the resources that we currently have. So it's not that there's an actual shortage. It's that there is an actual forced manipulative control that's at work. There's an agenda that's there that they want certain things to happen. You say, well, who's they? I'm talking about people with a globalist mindset. Those with an antichrist agenda. I've talked about this many times. How could Bible prophecy play out and these things come to pass with a one world government and a one world financial system and a one world uh, uh, religious system, all these things, if there are still strong independent nations? It's impossible. So you have to take strong independent nations and tear them down. You have to take their power. You have to diminish them. That's what's going on. I mean, we, we literally think we have the smartest people. Has anybody else ever thought this? I mean, raise your hands in the comments if you've ever thought this, where you're like, I thought we had the smartest people in our nation that were in these places of power running the nation. How are we going more and more trillions and trillions of dollars into debt as a nation? I thought we had the smartest people running things. And you turn around and think, man, there's plenty of people that I know that could do a better job than the ones that are in place. I thought, we, I thought we had MIT graduates. I thought we had Harvard and Yale graduates that have uh, economics degrees. And it's like, what is going on? That even though we've got, quote unquote, the smartest people running things, we keep going deeper and deeper into problems. It's not because they're not intelligent people. It's because there's an actual agenda at work to bring manipulation and control into this earth, to control the population. To, and, and that's not conspiracy theory. That's Bible prophecy, Bible prophecy. And so these things will ramp up. And then let me tell you, when the church is gone, it will be extremely intense in the earth. Because as I have told you before, we believe that we are the restraining force, the church. We are the restraining force that keeps the uh, Antichrist at bay. He cannot be revealed until the one who is restraining him is moved out of the way. And of course, you know, we believe that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ filled with the Holy Ghost, right? Morning, Danielle. So I want you to hear this with me today that what you might be seeing happen, uh, even if it does show up, even if it does happen as they're saying, it's not because we've run out of resources and it's not because there aren't enough animals and it's not because there's not enough gas or it's too expensive for the trucks. No. It's because there is an agenda at work to control the population, to bring nations down. And without question, that's what's going on in the earth right now. 
Did you know there's plenty of wealth in the earth for everyone to be a millionaire? Everyone. People don't realize that. There's plenty of wealth. There's plenty of resources. God's not running out. God is not running out. This earth is not running out. People, you know, I always laugh. Like, we're gonna, if we don't get more responsible, brother, we're going to destroy the ozone layer. We're going to destroy the earth. We're not going to destroy the earth. You know how I know? Christ reserves that right for himself. He will be the one who will destroy this earth by fire, the Bible says. There's nobody because they didn't put the right things in the recycle bin that's going to destroy the earth. You put all your water bottles in the trash. It should go in the recycle bin. You're going to destroy the ozone layer. Listen, it's not going to be, you didn't buy an electric car. You're not using solar. You're going to destroy this. Nope. All this stuff cracks me up because people are so unintelligent. They don't even understand how these things work. It's like, oh yeah, you, you bought an electric car to help the, uh, um, to, to, to help the environment. Did you ever wonder uh, how that car gets charged? Did you ever wonder where that electricity comes from? It comes from electricity from a power plant that's still run on coal. They are burning coal to make electricity so you can charge your electric car. And now in California, they're encouraging people not to plug their electric cars in at home because they don't have enough power on the grid to charge all of the electric cars that have been purchased. So it's not even working. It's not even working. There's not even enough power on the grid. They announced there's not enough power on the United States power grid to charge even 20% of the electric cars that have been sold. So they're asking people not to plug in at home. And all that electricity is coming from a power plant that runs on coal. So it's, it's so ridiculous. People, are, people believe a lie. They believe a lie. We're not going to destroy this earth. We're not going to destroy the ozone layer. We're not going to go into a nuclear winter. We're not going to be burned up because we, we destroyed the layer and now the, now the sun's going to burn us to death. No, no. We are going to move, as the Bible teaches, through prophecy until Jesus comes, until everything's in place, and then the Lord himself will destroy this earth by fire and create a new heaven and a new earth, the Bible says. So all of the things you're hearing, number one, it is all an antichrist agenda. Don't actually ever believe that there's a shortage of anything. There's not a shortage. There's not a shortage. There's not a shortage of beef. There's not a shortage of corn. There's not a shortage of wheat. There's not a shortage of none of these things. None of these things. And now I don't have any references for this, but I was reading a few articles where farmers were claiming that they were being paid to burn their crops, paid to burn their fields. Now, that's, that's, that is evil. That's evil. If that's the case, if what they're claiming is actually true, that they've been being paid to burn their crops, burn their fields, that's evil. That is a, an antichrist forced famine. And I'm telling you, I, I don't doubt that these things uh, take place. And by the way, there's a lot of people that are on, especially on Facebook, that are saying that their notifications are not going off anymore. So what you should do, go to our, if after the broadcast, go to our Facebook page and check to see if your notifications are still on. Any, by the way, anyone else on Facebook that didn't get a notification when we went live this morning at 10.30 Eastern, throw a hand up in the comments. And if you didn't, go back to our uh, page, uh, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Miracle Word Ministries after the broadcast and check to make sure that your notifications are still on uh, for when we go live. 
I don't know why those change. They do. I get people that'll come on and be like, uh, something happened. I don't know if it was an update with Facebook, but we don't get notified anymore. But go check it out just to, just to make sure. Sometimes that happens when they do updates for some reason or another. Or maybe they just don't like the things we teach. I have no idea. So that's number one. It is an anti-Christ agenda. It is an anti-Christ agenda. Number two, the second thing we need to understand is that one of the main things that we stand on and believe is that our God, one of the things that's his identity is that he is a provider. He's a provider. So that's number two is that number one, what you're seeing is an antichrist agenda. What you're seeing is forced and it's a globalist agenda. But number two, we serve a provider. And I find it, find it interesting because, um, I've talked about this at length, how, uh, even in the old Testament, when God was interacting with his people, they began to realize he's far more than we ever knew he was. He's not just God, but that's where we begin to get the compound names of God, right? He's not just Jehovah, but he's also Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals me. He is Jehovah Sitkanu. He's the God, my righteousness, but he's Jehovah Shalom. He's also God who is my peace, right? You can go right through the list. He's Jehovah Nisi. You can keep going. But the one I want to cover today is that he is Jehovah Jireh. He's my provider. He is God, the provider. Glory to God. He is God, the provider. He is El Shaddai. He is the God that is more than enough. He is the many breasted one. He's the all sufficient God. And so the God we serve, he is a God who provides. It's part of his character. It's part of his nature. I mean, you go through uh, the, the scripture and look at all of the stories that we have of God's supernatural provision. It'll make you run around your house. You'll get so happy to see how God supernaturally provides how God supernaturally provides and meets needs. You know, I was, I was, I was looking through these just recently and there are so many stories in the old and new Testament of God's provision. And, uh, it, it interests me, especially since we're moving into what they're claiming is going to be some sort of a, a, a famine or a, a whatever, a shortage, whatever you want to call it. I thought to myself, look how many times in the Bible, God supernaturally provided in the midst of a famine. I mean, he, by the way, God specializes in doing what others call impossible. But did you ever think about the fact that he gets the most glory when it looks like there's no other way that it's going to come to pass? He gets the most glory when it looks like there's no other way for this thing to come to pass. Um, and one of the things that, uh, that I was getting all excited about was second Kings, uh, go with me chapter four, second Kings chapter four, man, I read through this and I started, I started getting so excited 
uh, about what God is able to do and what he's going to do for us. I got so excited looking at the power of God. Um, and when I was in 2 Kings 4, I started uh, reading the story of how, or excuse me, not 2 Kings 4, 2 Kings 6. In 2 Kings 6, how that in the midst of a problem, God not only provided, he protected. I, I love that. He's not just a provider, he's a protector. And these stories run right into each other. And when you read through 2 Kings, these stories, it's like they go one right to another and they, they lead into one another. So the protection then turns into provision, which is like so, so supernatural. The protection turns into, into uh, provision. And so, you know the story, I've shared it many times, that the prophet Elisha is in a place called uh, Dothan and uh, the evil king that wants to attack Israel is irritated because he feels like nothing I'm doing is working. Every time I come up with a plan to destroy them, God's people, it's thwarted. They know exactly what I'm going to do. And he thought he had a traitor in his inner circle. They said, no, no, none of us is a traitor, my king. They have a prophet in Israel and he hears everything you say. He hears even what you say in your bedchamber. He said, man, if that's the case, we need to kill this prophet. And they found out that Elisha was staying in a city called Dothan. And so he sends there his army to surround the city. And when the prophet's uh, servant went out the next day, he saw that the city was surrounded with uh, with the army, the evil king's army. And the Bible says that he ran back in and began to tell the prophet, we're surrounded. I don't know what we're going to do. We're surrounded. And the Bible says, what should, he said, what should we do? What are we going to do? He's freaking out. And listen to the word of the prophet. And I want to speak this word to you today. Do not be afraid. In fact, I want you to put it in the comments in all capital letters. Do not be afraid. That's a word for you today. Do not fear. Do not fear. I don't care what they say on the news. I don't care what's going on in the government or what's going on in the culture. Doesn't matter what's going on in the economy. Do not be afraid in Jesus name. Do not be afraid. That's what the prophet told his servant. And then we keep on reading as to why he said, do not be afraid for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What a powerful phrase. Those who are with us, who was he referring to? Angelic armies, angelic armies. Those who are with us are more than those that are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, please strike these people with blindness. <laughs> and he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. 
And Elisha said to them, this is not the way, this is not the city, follow me and I'll bring you to the man whom you seek. And as you know, he led them right into uh, captivity. Now, I want to show you something really powerful uh, thing here. This protection leads right into provision. This protection leads right into provision. And so <clears throat> there's a siege of the city of Samaria. And as you know, um, the famine began because of the siege a famine began and it was a severe famine. I want to show you from the word what God can do in the midst of famine. And um, they besieged Samaria and verse 25 of 2 Kings 6, and there was a great famine in Samaria as they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of doves dung for five shekels of silver. You know you're hungry when you're paying silver for dove's dung, which is, I don't know if that's a delicacy. I don't care how hungry I get, I am not eating dove's dung, and I'm definitely not paying silver for it. But the Bible says five shekels of silver. Now, as the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried out to him saying, help my Lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord will not help you, how shall I help you? from the threshing floor or from the wine press. And he said, what's your trouble? And she answered, the woman said to me, give your son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day I said to her, give your son that we may eat him, but she's hidden her son. Think about this. Here's how, here's how serious the famine was in Samaria. People were boiling their children to eat them. I want you to stop and think about that. How hungry would you have to be to boil your children and eat them? This is how severe the famine was in Samaria. And the Bible says uh, that Elisha was sitting in the house, but a word from God came to Elisha the prophet. Now we're in chapter seven, verse one. Listen to this. But Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord. Tomorrow, about this time, a seah of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now that's crazy talk in the natural. What? We're paying five pieces of silver for dove's dung. You're telling me that I'm going to find a seah, which by the way, a seah is about seven quarts or 7.3 liters. 7.3 liters. You're telling me I can be, I'm going to be able to buy, buy seven liters of flour for one shekel when right now I'm paying five pieces of silver for dove's dung? 20, what did it say? 20 pieces of silver for a donkey's head? 80 shekels of silver. And you're telling me that by this time tomorrow, I'll be able to buy seven liters of flour and I'll be able to buy 14 liters of barley? for one shekel in the marketplace. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk in the midst of a famine. But notice this, verse two, then the captain on whose hand the king leaned said to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing really be? But he said, you'll see it with your own eyes, but you'll not eat any of it. Notice the prophet's response. 
because of his doubt and his unbelief. If the Lord made windows in heaven, could this really happen? Yes, you idiot. That's the whole point. That if God opens up the windows of heaven and decides to bless you, then there's nothing that can stop his blessing. Nothing. And so notice the response of the prophet. You'll see it happen, but you'll not to be able to partake in any of it. Get that? You'll see it happen, but you'll not get to partake in any of it. So, so what's the point here? Somebody's unbelief does not stop God from moving. It just stops God from moving for them. You see that? Somebody's unbelief does not stop God from working. It just stops God from working for them. And I made up my mind. I'm not going to get in the middle of a move of God and miss out on his goodness and his mercy because of my own unbelief. I'm not going to get into the middle of God's miraculous power and miss out on my own miracle because I doubted the mighty word of God. I'm not, I'm not letting it happen. I'm not letting it happen in Jesus name. And so notice this, the Lord provides in the midst of famine. Now look at this. Uh, the Bible says, in verse three, now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let's enter the city, the famine is in the city, we shall die there. And if we sit here, we'll die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. These are the people that are uh, besieging the city of Samaria. Let's go over to the enemies and, and listen to what they said. If they spare our lives, we'll live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. It's like, we got nothing to lose. We're going to die anyway. Die if we go in the city, die if we stay here, and we might die if we go over there, but we'll at least take our chances. But notice what happened. So they arose at twilight to go out to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was nobody there. There was nobody there for the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, abandoned their horses, abandoned their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when, the, when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent, look at this, and ate and drank and carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and entered another tent and carried off the things from it and hid them. Then they said to one another, we're not doing what's right. This day is a day of good news. And if we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. So let's go tell the king's household and so they went and they told what happened. And notice this in verse 16, and the people went out and plundered the camp of the Syrians so that the prophet's word came to pass. A sayah of fine flour sold for a shekel, two sayahs of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Now look at verse 17. Hallelujah. Somebody put it in the comments with Linnaean today. Or Lucy, divine possession. Whew. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Put it in the comments. I don't care if you put it in all caps. 
divine possession. It's going to be our story in Jesus' name. It's going to be our story in Jesus' name. Divine possession in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Divine possession. So verse 17, now the king had appointed the captain on whose hand he leaned to have charge at the gate. Big problem there. And the people trampled him in the gate so that he died. As the man of God had said when the king came down to him. For when the man of God had said to the king that food will be sold for this price, the captain answered, it can't happen. And I'm paraphrasing here. And he said, and you'll see it with your own eyes, but you'll not eat it. Verse 20. And so it happened to him for the people trampled him in the gate and he died. This is so wild. Listen to this now. This is so powerful because what I'm getting ready to show you is on top of what I just read to you. So number one, the prophetic word came. There'll be so much more than enough that food prices will hit rock bottom. Food prices will hit rock bottom. That doesn't happen in a famine as you just saw with donkey's heads and dove's dung. It doesn't happen. People are boiling their children to eat them. But the word of the Lord came and supernatural. Notice God worked a miracle so that supernatural provision would take place. God worked a miracle. Remember, the protection happened, then the provision happened. If God had not spared Elisha by protection, he couldn't have spoken the prophetic word that ended the famine. Protection and then provision. Protection and then provision. So look at this as we move forward. It's really interesting because if we went back to four, like I told you originally, do you remember the woman that built a place in her home for Elisha? She made a little room on top of her house and she, she furnished it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. You remember? And anytime Elisha came through town, she said, you've got your own place at my house. And Elisha said, what can we do for this woman? The servant said, well, she's not able to have children. He said, by this time next year, you'll have a child. But then the child died. But Elisha went in, laid on the child. He came back to life, a miracle. Well, she left town. When all this stuff started to happen, this wealthy woman, she left and went somewhere else during this time. But it's interesting now because we've gone through, the famine's now over. But I want to read you the final provision miracle. Hallelujah. I want you to just put it in the comments. I'm getting ready to have a miracle of provision. Hallelujah. Even if you're not going without, I want you to put it in the comments. I'm getting ready to have a miracle of provision. I'm declaring that over me too. I'm going to have a miracle of provision. I'm going to have a miracle of provision in Jesus name. Well, it's your year of divine possession. Stay on it. Stay on it. There's my friend, brother Tim Adams. Love you. I'm getting ready to have a miracle of provision. So watch this now in the eighth chapter. Now we're in the eighth chapter of second Kings. The Bible says, now Elisha had said to the woman, now she got a prophetic word too, whose son had been restored to life. Arise, depart with your household 
and sojourn wherever you can for the Lord has called for a famine and it will come upon the land for seven years. Now watch. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned into the land of the Philistines for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, now listen to how God worked this out. She went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Now the king, at that moment, the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me all the great things Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king about her story, about her story, she walks into the king's court during her story being told to the king. And he said, oh Lord, my Lord, the king, here's the woman right here. Then Elisha restored her son to life. Verse six. And when the king asked the woman, she told him saying, it was me. So the king appointed, get this. The king appointed an official for her saying, restore all that was hers. But not just that together with all the produce of the fields from the day she left the land until now. Get this in your spirit. You hear what the king just said? Don't just give her her house back. Don't just give her her land back. But also on top of that, give her all the produce of her fields. Everything she would have grown in her fields in seven years. Give that to her too. Give that to her too. Come on. Don't just give her back her house. That's recovery. Getting back. But I'm not just going to have recovery. I'm going to have an abundance. I'm going to have an overflow. So notice, number three, and I want you to get this in your spirit. God is not just going to meet your needs. God is going to take you and me into the overflow. I want you to hear that. God is not just going to meet your needs. God is going to take you into the overflow. And Bonnie Benedict, that scripture is 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. 2 Kings chapter 8, verses 1 through 6. God is not just going to meet your needs. God is going to take you into the overflow. This woman... She didn't just get blessed for the, the, the seed she sowed into Elisha one time. She got blessed with a son. And then she got blessed with the resurrection of her son. But then on top of that, she got blessed with the restoration of her house and her lands and all that she would have produced in seven years that she was absent from the land. God is not just going to meet your needs. God is going to take you into the overflow in Jesus name. The third thing you need to get into your spirit is that God is not just a God who meets needs. He is a God who operates in abundance, in more than enough, in overflow. Let me say this. When God was creating the earth, we call this the, the creator's original intent. The creator's original intent. You believe as well as I do that God created the world in the way that he wanted it to be. Let me say that again so that you understand where I'm going. God created the world the way that he wanted it to be. And so remember this, God didn't create Adam first. He created Adam last. Oh man. I, I mean, 
Do we even realize the power of that? P put it in the comments. God created Adam last. God created Adam last. I know it, it's, you're going to get this in a minute because this is going to stir your sp spirit up, stir your faith up. Put it in the comments. God created Adam last. Why is that powerful? Because notice he didn't want to create his covenant man in his own likeness and in his own image until he had created a place of blessing and abundance in which to put him. Oh, hallelujah. Can you see this about the God you serve? He didn't want to create Adam or Eve until he had first created a place of blessing and overflow in which to put them. Hallelujah. That's the key. He wanted there to be a place of overflow for Adam to live, for Eve to live before he ever created them. So you know what that means? It means God created the abundance first. God didn't just create the earth. He separated the water from the land. He separated the day from the night. He then created the plants, the fruit and the seed bearing plants. He then created the animals. He created all that we see. It was a world full of abundance. And then he created a garden in Eden for Adam. And he did not create Adam, nor did he put him to sleep, take out a rib and create Eve until first the garden was ready. What was it ready with? It was ready with all the animals. It was ready with all the trees, all the fruit, all the things that he needed, not just that he needed, but the excess, the extra. Adam didn't go into the garden and eat every last piece of fruit on every tree. There was so much. He had to manage it. He had to manage it. He had to be a steward of what God placed in his hand. There was so much. Adam could not have been able to uh, use it all up. But notice, God placed him right in there to the place of abundance, overflow, more than enough. That's to show us the original intention of our creator, that he's a God who desires his children to be in the overflow into more than enough. He then goes on and reiterates that. And so Abraham, his covenant man, was a man who portrayed God's intention again. He's a God of more than enough. Abraham had so much that it made other people angry. The Bible says, and Abram grew very wealthy with gold and silver and cattle. It's not that God made, met his needs. God didn't have, it had nothing to do with God meeting his needs. Abraham had uh, tons of wealth in gold, silver, and cattle. He had his own private military of over 300 men. His son Isaac was blessed in the midst of a famine. Isaac got so blessed financially that the king showed up at his house and said, could you please go somewhere else? You are too mighty for us. Come on, man. Come on. If God's on your side, I mean, put that in the comments. I'm too mighty for my enemies. I am too mighty for my enemies. Too much for my enemies. And that's what Isaac's story was. You go through the Bible. He goes on when Israel is formed 
and starts to talk to them. Notice, notice what he says to the nation of Israel. Very interesting. And you know, we know it now like the back of our hand, but if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God, and you're careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord, your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. And all of these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, you'll be blessed in the city and in the field. The fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, the young of your flock. Blessed will be your basket, your kneading bowl. Blessed will be you be when you come in and blessed will you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you, be defeated before you. They'll come against you in one way, flee from you in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. He'll bless you in the land that the Lord your God's giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people for himself. You keep on going. The, all the peoples of the earth that see you will call by the name of the Lord. They'll be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. In the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your livestock, fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to fathers to give you. He'll open his good treasury in the heavens to give the rain uh, to your land in its season. Bless all the work of your hands. You'll lend to many nations, but you'll not borrow. How can you do any of those things if he's just meeting your needs? You can't lend to nations. You can't lend to other people if you have just enough to meet your needs. God's promising Israel overflow and abundance for their obedience. That's what he promised them. Overflow and abundance for their obedience. Hallelujah. You go to the early church. Every need was met in the early church. Acts chapter 2 tells us they sold, every, they sold their possessions. If they saw needs, they sold their extras and then had everything in common. Every need was met. Well, you can't sell extra to give it to others if you don't have extra. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's not just about needs being met. God will take us into abundance, into the overflow. That's the key. God takes us into the overflow. And so number one, hear it. It's an antichrist plan. It's an antichrist agenda. Number one, we need to understand it's a forced famine they're trying to do. It's something that's not natural. It's not happening in the earth. We're not running out of resources. It's a globalist antichrist agenda. Number two, we serve a God who is a provider. That's one of his covenant names. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And number three, his desire is not just to meet our needs, but to take us into abundance and into overflow. Hallelujah. To take us into abundance and into overflow. Glory to God. And so I want you to hear this today. Don't be afraid. Don't listen to the reports and say, well, you just got to get ready to batten down the hatches. We need all hands on deck. It's getting ready to be a rough uh, fall. It's going to be a rough one. No, in Jesus name, it's not going to be some rough fall. It's not going to be some rough winter. You're going to abound. You're going to have more than enough for you serve Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai. He is the provider. He is the all sufficient one. You are not going to go without. You are not going to lack any good thing for the Lord will provide. I don't care. Hey, Pastor Stan, I don't care if the Lord has to do things that he did in the Old Testament to bring the blessing to you. I don't care if people have to show up to your house that don't even like you and bless you. I don't care if he has to send ravens to bless you. I don't care if he has to have something come out of a rock. 
I don't care if he has to multiply what's already in your cupboards like he did for people in the Old Testament. I don't care what he does. I don't care if you open the refrigerator, take out some hamburger meat to make that night. You go back in and there's extra hamburger meat. You wonder where it came from. Miracles of provision. I don't care. That's it, Pastor Stan. We'll have abundance and plenty in my house in the mighty name of Jesus. We're not going without. We're not going to lack. We are the head. We'll never be the tail. We're above. We'll never be beneath. Hallelujah. Never be beneath. I know people don't believe this. I don't care if they don't believe it. They don't have to believe it. But if we belong to Christ, we're Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. The blessing has come upon the Gentiles through faith. If I belong to Christ, I've been grafted into the vine. The spirit of adoption is already at work, brought me into the family. And if I'm part of the family of God, then just as much. Remember, it's the same, it's the same tree, it's the same vine. Others may have been cut off, but we've been grafted in. So don't tell me it's better for Israel in Deuteronomy 28 in the Old Covenant than it is for God's New Testament people. Don't tell me it's a better covenant back then than it is now. And we have a better covenant now. The book of Hebrews chapter eight tells us it's a better covenant established upon better promises. Glory to God. I feel like preaching this morning. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. I feel the anointing on this because we're not going to lack. We're not going to go without. God's going to take care of your family. He's going to take care of your children. You're going to step into more than enough. Why? Because you're a faithful, dedicated child of God. I'm not, you, you can't get on Facebook. You can't get on YouTube and prophesy this to everybody in the nation. It's not for everybody. I'm not talking to everybody. Don't think I'm getting on here and giving some kind of mass prophecy to everybody that ever uh, walked the, you know, the streets of America. No, I'm speaking specifically to God's faithful, diligent, dedicated, obedient people. You cannot put God first and finish last. In Jesus' name, everybody that puts God first, God will put them first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All what things? What's the context there in Matthew 6? Natural things. Where shall we live? What shall we wear? What shall we eat? He said, don't let those things occupy your mind. That's what sinners think about. No. He said, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things that people are dying to get will just be added unto you in Jesus name. They'll just be added unto you in Jesus name. Glory to God. God, I'm talking about faithful people. Did you know, and this is still true today. Don't think it's not true because we're in the new Testament that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro across the earth to find people whose hearts are loyal to him. And when he finds them on their behalf, he will show himself strong and mighty. You know what I'm believing for the last half of this year? Love you, Isaiah. I'll tell you what I'm believing for the last half of this year, for God to show himself strong and mighty in my life, in my family, in this ministry, in your life, in your family. I'm believing that God's going to show himself strong and mighty in the wonderful name of Jesus. I want you to just put it in the, in the comments. His eyes will find me. His eyes will find me. Make that declaration. Amen. Your dedication, your diligence, your faithfulness, your obedience. 
His eyes are going to find me in Jesus name. Glory. His eyes are going to find me in Jesus wonderful name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel that today. I'm going to pray for you because I'm going to ask the Lord. I don't care. We don't care what's going on in this world. We trust him fully. We depend on him fully and he's going to take care of us. I know you believe that. Let me pray. Father, I pray for every person that's watching me, those that are listening to me. And I pray that today, that as we obey your voice, first of all, give us a greater hunger to please you with our lives. Give us a greater hunger to obey you and to be diligent and faithful to your written word. Give us a greater hunger and a desire for that. Lord, we ask you today that you would uh, empower us to please you with our lives. Empower us by your Holy Spirit. And then Lord, as we stand in supernatural dedication, I thank you today. (laughs) I thank you today that we will have far more than enough. Even if the world is in a time of famine, we will not be in a time of famine in Jesus name. Even if the world is going without, you will find supernatural means with which to bless your children. And so I honor you and I thank you and I praise you, Lord Jesus, for you are great and greatly to be praised. There's nobody like you. There's no other name above your name. We thank you for your name. We thank you for the blood that was shed. We thank you that you love us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a good and a loving Heavenly Father who knows how to give good gifts to those that ask him. So today, Lord, I'm asking you to bless your children supernaturally. I pray that you would put your right hand of blessing upon their lives. Lift them head and shoulders above those that don't serve you, that refuse to honor your name and to obey your word. And let us be a spectacle in our generation in Jesus' mighty name, that people see what's possible through the hand of God. And we thank you, Lord, that it is the goodness of God that draws men to repentance in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen, amen, amen. If you believe it, throw some hands up, throw some fire up in the comment section. Let me know you're standing with me, that you're believing uh, with me as well. And here at the end of the broadcast, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to put that into practice and to sow a seed by faith. You know, God honors seed that's sown. That's what the word of God tells us. And we each either decide in our hearts what we're gonna do for God or the Holy Spirit will give us an instruction and lead us in our giving. And we listen to his voice, but it takes us into overflow. Every time a seed reproduces after its own kind. And Paul told them in Corinth, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. But you know what I wanna do? I want to encourage those of you that are watching to stand with this ministry in partnership. Something that you could do on a monthly basis, whatever that might be for you. It's different for everybody. We have people at every spectrum, but never feel like the, don't let the devil make you feel like that what you're doing for God's kingdom is insignificant. That's a lie from hell. If what you are doing takes faith to accomplish, then let me tell you something, God's pleased with it. We've actually had people tell us, well, I'd love to partner with brother Ted and sister Carolyn at, you know, the the $85 a month or a hundred dollars a month, but I'm not able to right now. All I can do is $50 a month or $20 a month. Don't diminish the seed God's put in your hand. If it's where you're at now, begin where you are. 
Stay faithful where you are. Remember this, don't despise the day of small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. That's what the Bible says when they were building the new temple and just the foundation was laid and they began to rejoice. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. The Lord rejoices to see the work begin. He wants to see you start off in faith. And we have so many testimonies of people. They started in one place, but that's not where they are now. I can tell you that. God has increased them supernaturally. In fact, if you're in the comments right now and you're a partner with our ministry and you've seen that kind of increase where you've seen God bless you and where you started is not where you are now, throw a, throw a hand up, let people know. That's my testimony too. We get so many of those where people, man, they felt like I'm starting at such a small level. No, if it's what God told you to do, it's a level of obedience. Amen. Look at the hands going up. People say, that's, I started there and God's blessed me. I started with what I could do and God blessed me. Amen. I'm believing the same for you. And remember this, God doesn't just bless you. You're a blessing to others as you help us to take the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. So you get a part that's played in that ministry as well. Amen. I'm asking the Lord, let the same blessings that come upon Carolyn and I for preaching it, come upon them for sowing into it. And I believe God will do it for you as well. I'm believing this will be a year debt's canceled. I'm believing this will be a year that homes are paid off, cars are paid off, student loan debts, credit card debts, uh, medical bills that have been hanging over your head. I believe this will be a year that God's people will be debt free that you'll go from renting to owning in Jesus' name. You believe that, I know you do. And I'm standing with you as well. This will be a year for you. It's your divine possession year. So whatever it is that the Lord is asking you to do, you can go to miracleword.com. And then as you go to the website, click that partner page. Look at all that we're doing. That's gonna be what you're doing because you're standing with us. Fill out that form and let us know. Listen, here's what I can do right now by faith and do it and watch as God uses it to bless you. In this um, month of July, we have some things that we want to put in your hand for those that are sewing. And if you're sewing $85 uh, or more this month, we're going to send your brother Hagen's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit. If you're sewing $250 or more, we're going to include E.W. Kenyon's book, The Blood Covenant. And finally, for those that are sewing largely at $1,000 or more, we're going to include the Net Bible Full Notes Edition with 60,000 translators' notes. And so that's our way of saying thank you and we love you and appreciate the fact that you're sowing and standing with us to see souls saved. It's been so awesome here in Tomball already. God's moving. I know you've probably seen the pictures. You've probably seen some of the recap videos. Um, if you don't follow us, follow us on Instagram. Uh, Ted Shuttlesworth is my name on Instagram, uh, Carolyn Shuttlesworth, and then watch what God's doing around this nation. Let it be an encouragement to your faith that God's moving. Don't believe the lies that people aren't hungry for the move of God. People are hungry for the Holy Ghost. And so we're here in Tomball, Texas at Tomball Assembly of God. We're live again tonight, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. And so we're going to be live on all platforms, but if you're anywhere close, I want to encourage you to come and uh, be a part of this uh, revival. We have two more nights scheduled remaining, and uh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Last night was a powerful move of the Holy Ghost. I mean, I was so happy. 
to see God touching people, people weeping and receiving impartation, people saved. We've had people saved, uh, people touched. It's just been, it's been so wonderful. I'm telling you, it has been so wonderful. And so thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for standing with us. Thank you for your faith and your faithfulness. It means a lot to me. Again, I'm with you all week in the morning this week, 10.30 like normal, Eastern Standard Time. I'll be back again tomorrow at 10.30. Thanks for hanging with me today. I love you so much. Have a powerful day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.